My name's Keith Legrone, as Karen said. I've been thinking a lot about death over the past year. Um, it started about a year ago, and um, my pastor that I grew up with basically for 18 years died of a heart attack while he was driving. Um, he baptized me. Um, and first of all, let me just say that I'm pretty lucky or, or blessed, however you want to say it, to have a pretty healthy family. I've got all four of my grandparents. I've got healthy friends. Um, but really in the past year, things I've, I've witnessed more death. I started with my pastor um, in 2016, and, that, and that's where I'm wearing the suit, okay? It's, it's, um, it's to honor him. Um, it's to try and capture some of the passion and fervor that he preached with um, basically my entire life. Um, so it's for him. It's for Pastor Pat. Um, my best friend's dad died in July. Uh, and uh, I've had a co-worker's dad die in July. Um, and uh, Caleb, you can put the, the first slides up there. Nicole and I were in Europe with my family this summer. And we went to these things called the catacombs. That's my brother, uh, Jake. We went to these things called the catacombs. And, and essentially what happened in Paris in the late 1700s is they ran out of room to bury their dead. Um, so over the two-year period, they moved six million people, bodies, underground into these catacombs, into these tunnels they had built. Um, and you can see these pictures. And it's literally just stacks and stacks of bones and skulls. And when we were walking through these tunnels, um, I kept thinking, what, what's the point of all this? This is our, this is our destiny, all of us. Um, we're undifferentiated as, as in this state. Um, you can't tell who is who. Um, you can't tell anything about these people's lives. So it was kind of depressing. But that, that's what I was struck with. Um, and, you know, at times the Bible isn't that much more positive about it. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, 19 through 20. For what happens to the children of men, of man, and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Um, and I, I've, always, I've always feared death. Um, I've always been afraid of growing up, started in middle school. Um, and it really didn't take, it really didn't come to a point until after I graduated college and I started um, life in the real world at work. I moved to Houston um, and uh, moved here with Nicole, my wife. Um, and you could see evidence of that. I would, I would reject responsibility at home because that's what an adult would do. Um, I really had trouble going to work all day, being exhausted at night, falling asleep on the couch, waking up the next morning, doing it all again. Um, I was like, I'm going to do this for 40 more years. Is this, is this how it's supposed to be? Um, so um, just afraid of growing, not just getting older, but just growing up in general, being an adult. Um, um, and, and we have not just my personal experience, but we have Hollywood to, to, to see maybe how our culture views death. Um, so this first picture is uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean. That's Captain Jack Sparrow on the left and Davy Jones on the right. And in this scene, Davy Jones is asking Captain Jack Sparrow if he fears death. And he doesn't just ask it to him, he asks it to, to several people. And basically, if you fear death, if you tell Davy Jones you fear death, you can live uh, basically a form of an immortal life uh, where, where you can't really be killed. 
can't really die. In exchange, um, um, you get to serve him um, for a long time. Um, so it's kind of like uh, um, you don't really die, but you don't really live either. Um, and that doesn't really seem right to me. I don't know about you guys, but the next one is Star Trek. Um, so the guy on the left, is I think his name's Dr. Bones. The guy on the right is Spock. Um, and in this scene, I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but in this scene, um, Spock says, it's illogical to fear death. And the, the doctor's response is, fear of death is what keeps us alive. Um, and that doesn't quite seem right either to me. Uh, because no matter how much you fear it, it will still happen eventually. Um, so, uh, shockingly, Hollywood doesn't give us the answers we're looking for. Um, <clears throat> so we still have these questions of, you know, where's the comfort? How can I deal with my anxiety? Um, and there's, I think there's, when I was thinking about this, I think there's three options. Um, the first two, I think we, we try, um, we try a lot as, as humans. Uh, I think we've all tried these. So the first one is basically seek as much happiness and, and pleasure for yourself as possible. Just have the most fun life you can have. Um, um, do all these sorts of fun things. Um, just happiness is your goal. Um, and, you know, it could be a period of days, weeks, months, years, decades that we, that we try and do this. I think, but at least all of us can admit that it's something that we, we do um, pretty regularly in order to seek fulfillment. Um, the second option is you can pour yourself into something else. Um, it could be work. It could be the needy. It could be... Um, uh, family, and I think we also do these quite a bit as well. Uh, maybe we go back and forth between seeking um, happiness and pleasure for ourselves, and then we maybe that's not quite doing it, so we try and put it into something else, work or family or friends. Um, so I, I think we're all probably pretty familiar with those. So what I want to spend today talking about is the third third option, um, and and that option is is baptism. So. Um, we're going to go in our text today. So how we're going to do this is we're going to have four people read the text, starting with Nathan Pope. Um, so then we'll go to Danny, and then we'll go to Kyle, and we'll go to Nicole. So if you wouldn't mind just standing up and reading, reading your verses for me. Oh, sorry. I was, the text is Romans 5, 18 through Romans 6, 14. It'll be on the screen as well. Thank you. 
Jeff Sidney would be united in him and a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, Boom. Knocked it all out in one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. Um, so if we look at these verses in verse 6, I want to I start out talking about where, where we all start out, all of us, um, all of us humans. Um, Paul references in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 6, the old self, um, which literally refers to old man, meaning uh, they who were in Adam. So Adam and, Adam and Eve. Um, so as soon as we enter this world, um, we become sinners. Uh, we're, we're flawed. As, uh, no matter who you are, no matter where you were born, no matter if you were born into the most Christian, biblically sound-based families or whether you were not born into that, um, we're all born the same, uh, no matter what country, no matter what socioeconomic status. Um, there's not one of us who is better than the other. Uh, we, know we may have different skills and talents, um, different likes and dislikes, but in the eyes of God, um, there's not one of us that is better. So you can see this in chapter 5, verse 18, the, the first part of 18 and the first part of 19. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of right... Oh, sorry, just the first part. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. And then verse 19, the first part. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Um, and uh, we can also go into another text, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, who's Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Um, so, so yeah, the summary is we all start in the same boat. Um, that's what that's what the Bible tells us. That's what that's what I'm here to tell you. Um, I promise it's going to get more positive here shortly. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about um, w- what baptism is, um, because Paul's referencing a lot in these verses we just read. <clears throat> um, so, so baptism is a symbol. Um, and someone is typically dunked uh, into a pool of water. Could be a li- river, could be a lake, could be um, a tub. Could be some churches have a nice baptismal um, that it happens in. Um, and, w- and what happens is that you're in there with another person, and they they bring you um, into death into the water, and then raise you into new life out of the water. Um, 
And so the water serves both as, the, um, as what causes the death, but also cleanses you. Um, and that's similar to, to Jesus on the cross. So, so Jesus um, was crucified on the cross, um, and the cross was both the, the agent that, that killed Jesus, but also served as, as a sacrifice for our sin. Um, and, and baptism is not, the physical act of baptism is not required. But, but at a minimum, it is a reference and a symbol that we use to describe our life before and after Christ. Um, so we'll, let's break up baptism into a couple different parts. The first part is the, the baptism into death. Um, so I don't think a, a dead person can sin, um, which is part of the, the symbolism. Um, but, but Paul says, and repeats it a lot, which, which probably means it's important, he repeats it in verses 2, 3, 4, and 5, and, and, and on from there. Um, he says that we're dead to sin. Um, and, and that kind of leaves you with some questions, at least it did for me, which is, how is sin no longer controlling our lives if we're still tempted to sin, even after baptism? Um, so, so first, let's talk just really quickly about sin. Um, sin is missing the mark. Um, whether you're you're trying to hit this bullseye, and whether you're one centimeter off or you just completely missed the target, it's the same. You're, you miss the mark. Um, and, and that missing the mark happens um, through disobeying God, um, through lust, uh, through envy, selfishness, pride. Um, those, are, those are what cause us to sin. So even if you, don't, if you live your whole life and you don't hurt anyone, um, you still... I would imagine, have internal envy and internal pride, internal selfishness, internal lust. Um, and and that's, that's kind of what we can define sin as. Um, and I found this interesting quote this week, just happened upon it, um, from Steve Jobs, of all people. And, and it says, Death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is life's change agent, um, which is actually, actually pretty profound. Um, so, so when we go through baptism, whether it's the, the actual physical part or the symbolic part, um, it doesn't mean that when you rise up, you are perfect or that you won't sin anymore. Because people who do go through that, they still sin, they still sin a lot. Um, but, but what it does is it changes what category or ruling we fit under. Um, it changes us from, from being bur- tied to the law to being under God's grace. Um, and so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, God's law, which is what we're all born into, is in some ways very similar to our, our judicial system in America. Um, there's a set of standards, right? Um, and if you are caught breaking one of those, um, you go before a judge or jury and they, they give you a sentence, some sort of punishment. Um, <clears throat> The difference kind of lies in that in the America's judicial system, if you generally do more good than bad, um, you're seen as a as a good citizen, right? No one's going to be suspicious of you. Um, you're seen as a good citizen. Um, in God's law, um, as we talked before, we're already born on the wrong side. Um, we're already born as as bad citizens. Um, and that's kind of tough to hear. I mean, what's the, what is the point? If we're already behind and there's no way for us to catch up when we live our lives, I mean, what, how, what good does that do us? 
Um, and that's where God's grace kind of fits in. Um, in God's grace, under God's grace, we have a different purpose. Um, and, and this can be kind of confusing. Um, if you look at you know Christians and churches around the world, it seems like we're all just trying to do the best we can to be the best people we can. And I think our purpose is different than that under God's grace. The, the purpose is to um, obey God in what he asks us to do. So I kind of want to give you some illustrations to, to kind of help that along a little bit. And um, Martin Luther King Jr. came to mind. So if you think about him as a leader, <clears throat> he asked his followers to do quite a lot. Um, you know, they were protesting against a terrible, terrible thing and a terrible time in our country. Um, and they were asked to do it peacefully, even though they were yelled at, um, they were told terrible things, they were spit on, um, they were injured, they were thrown into jail, some of them were even killed. Um, but they still followed him. Um, and you can kind of um, contrast that with maybe a bad boss that you've had or that you can imagine having. Um, a, a boss that is a real stickler for all rules and for greatness. Um, so, you know, y you feel like you're doing the best you can, you feel like you're being productive, part of the team, but he still points out the things you're doing wrong or where you fall short. Um, that's, that's kind of the way I've kind of been thinking about it this week is, um, you know, one is very different than the other. So, so I've also, um, gonna have to make a little bit of a confession here. Um, and I'm a Game of Thrones fan. So if you, watch, if you watch Game of Thrones, so this is a little bit more of a specific example, but there's these two queens, right? There's Khaleesi and there's Cersei. So if you think about Khaleesi, she's, um, over the course of the season, she, she's freed thousands of slaves. They were slaves, thousands of them. And um, new people, they come up to these, these ex-slaves, these former slaves, and say, you were once a slave, and now you pretty much do the same thing for this new queen. You still serve her. You still fight for her. You still listen to everything she says. What's, aren't you still a slave? I mean, what's the difference? And the response they give is that they freely made that choice to, to, because they believed in what she, had to, what she was doing um, and what she had to say. So, uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Great things can happen from uh, people who expect the, the perfection. Um, who get on to you every time you make a mistake. We've seen that throughout history. Great things happen. It happens in sports. Uh, Nick Saban is an example. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you, your work team may be an example with that tough boss. You guys get things done. You guys are some of the best parts in the company. But you feel expendable. You feel like you could be traded out at any instant for another person. And that's the, that's the, the scary part about living under a law. Instead of, instead of God's grace. Um, so, so let's say, you know, what's in our timeline here? We've been dunked, we've been raised up, now what? We've been baptized. So, so what happens next? What's our application? Um, and I found this verse in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Um, and I think it gives you a pretty good picture of what next is. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Um, so it's pretty clear here that we're supposed to focus on things that are above. 
but what are things that are above? Um, so let's start by talking about maybe things that are not above. So if you think about those pictures we were showing earlier on, on the, the um, catacombs in Paris, think about those, those remains that were in there. There was no money. There was no silver or gold there. Um, there were no clothes or appearance. Um, you couldn't tell who was uh, deemed to be attractive and who wasn't. Um, there were no possessions or cars or anything like that. Um, they weren't talking about sports, um, which is a big one for, for me. Um, so that's kind of things that we focus on a lot on this earth that aren't necessarily above. Um, so, so when I was thinking about, okay, what are things that are above, I was also thinking about uh, children and the innocence of children. And Jesus spent a lot of time with children or, or spent quality time with children. And so I was thinking about, you know, what's so great about children? Um, so they, they, they are always focused and attentive on their parents. And, and God is our father. So they always seek his, his or her mom or dad's comfort. Um, children want to be close to them. They want to, to have their approval and acceptance. Um, and they also love without condition or previous knowledge. So if you've been around Josephine Kiefer or you've been around my nephew Baker or you've broken bread with Everett Stevens, uh, you've, you've seen this. Because they, they will, you've ne- you may have never seen them before, never met them before, but they are interested in you and they want to be around you. Um, so I think we can learn from that as adults. Um, so other, other, another thing that's eternal, I think, is our souls. So, I mean, one way you can think about it is if you're doing something or interacting with someone and it involves their soul, that's something that is above. That is something that's, that's eternal. Um, so this would be relationships, communication, mentorship, parenting, community. All these things um, are long-lasting and provide help and relief to the soul. Um, so, so in closing, um, we started today talking about death and fear and doubt about the future. Um, and, and my hope is that, that now um, you at least are, are aware of a God in a way where you don't have to live in that, that despair. Um, do I still fear? Do others still fear? Do we still not want to grow up? Do we still doubt? Yes, absolutely. It happens very, very regularly. Um, But I also have a way, and we have a way, we have an opportunity to deal and react to difficult things that happen and seek comfort in a God that will listen to us. Um, So we have relief from the temporal, and we can refocus our thoughts and energies on the eternal, which I think is, is encouraging. So I'll close this in prayer. Dear God, thank you for thank you for today. Um, thank you for something that can <clears throat> help us deal with death, which is you. Um, we just thank you so much for for your grace instead of um, being able to live under your grace um, and, and being able to to no longer be confined um, by the law. Um, I, I pray for this week. Uh, I pray that we'll take um, what we've learned today, whether it was from, it was probably from the song, 
more than the sermon, but that we'll take and apply that to, to our lives and remember that uh, when we're talking to others. Amen.